0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of Hooked on Homeschool. Today I interview the lovely Sam Sorbo. She is a huge advocate for homeschooling. She is an amazing Christian woman. She homeschools her own children. You may also know her as an actress. She's also married to the incredible Kevin Sorbo, who used to be Hercules. He does some really great Christian movies now. She has homeschooled her children. Her son is even on board with uh, helping other families homeschool. So I'm so excited to share with you today's interview. We're going to talk about homeschooling and why it is so important that we should just take our kids out of public school. I'm excited to share this interview with you. Hi friends, are you ready to homeschool but you're just not sure how to begin? Do you feel overwhelmed or frustrated with the public school and noticing that your child is constantly struggling or falling behind? Are you ready to say goodbye to that hectic and stressful weekday schedule and embrace a completely different approach? Do you find that your child is exhausted from those long days at school, followed by hours of homework at night, and are you constantly experiencing stress and overwhelm as a result? I'm here to share some great news with you. There is a better way, and it's called homeschooling. Experience quiet and peaceful mornings again. How about instilling a sense of joy and excitement for learning in your child? Witness their true passions unfold as you go on this fulfilling journey together. Welcome to Hooked on Homeschool. I am Dawn Janowitz, a homeschool mom, wife, podcaster, and online course creator, and I wanna give you the clarity the confidence, the freedom, and all the strategies to show you that it is possible to create an amazing homeschool experience that works for both you and your kids. So come on, ladies, let's go from Hot Mess Express to fierce and fun, and let's get hooked on homeschool. Hi, Sam. How are you today? Well, it's great to be here. I'm in a good mood. Oh, I love that. So tell us why you're in a good mood. Oh,
1: the holidays are coming. My entire house is decorated for Christmas and it makes me so happy. We typically decorate right before Thanksgiving because we we skip right over Thanksgiving. Uh, Not Thanksgiving. We typically decorate it right before Halloween because we skip right over Halloween.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and it kind of makes sense. There's not a whole lot of fun Thanksgiving things, so if you just put up Christmas, you have like a longer Christmas. I mean, it just feels good. Yeah, Thanksgiving is... And Thanksgiving
1: is sort of Christmassy to us. I don't know why. You know, it just is. We give thanks. Well, we give thanks every day. but
0: And we need to give a, a whole lot of thanks now. So, So I'm so excited you're on the show. Thank you so much for being here. You are an amazing woman. You've had an amazing career. You have an amazing husband. You have an amazing family. You have stuck to your Christian beliefs. You have homeschooled. But I feel like the past few years, it's been a little crazy on what's going on, more so than we've ever thought. So we need homeschooling. We need our faith. We need to really come together. And we're battling, everybody's battling this evil that's coming down on us. So, so you've written some books and things. So what are your takeaways? And what could you tell moms that are wanting to homeschool or just started homeschooling, like what we need to focus on?
1: So I just went to a conference that was organized by Jordan Peterson and a couple of his colleagues. And they're the, it's called the ARC Conference, A-R-C. And what they did was they gathered 1,500 world leaders to talk about telling a better story. Because the story that we're being told right now that's coming out of our schools and out of our colleges and even from our politicians, many of them, is that we are depleting Earth's resources we are basically a plague upon the planet. We're a cancer. We shouldn't be having children. It's a very doom and gloom story that we're being told, right? That we, and that we have too much stuff. We have to give up our stuff. We will own nothing and, and like it. You know, we will become a nation of renters. All of this is a very negative story. And we need a better story. And we have a better story. And, and that is, it's an uplifting story. It's a story of triumph over hardship, And so we ought to be sharing that story. So that might also attribute to why I'm in such a good mood because we're not alone in thinking that there is a better story. And part of that better story happens to be home education. And the reason that I say that is because I'm of the opinion that the schools have stolen the family. They have trained us to think that it's perfectly normal for us to surrender our children to complete strangers for their education. And, I mean, if you just stop and think for just a minute about what that actually implies, it's, it's absurd.
0: It really is.
1: You know, the children that I struggle so hard to conceive, carry, and bear into the world, right, and that I'm just going to willy-nilly hand them over to a complete stranger who has been vetted by the government? <laughs> it's like, no, I, think, I don't think so. And, by the way, I did it. Okay, because I was a good girl. I grew up in the system. I got A's. I I strove to please my teachers. Right. So I'm steeped in all of that. So I did it. I did it for two good years where my son learned how to bully. He he didn't become a bully, but he could have really easily. Like he was he was only second grade. So, you know, he he wasn't that, that far along. But he was so popular in first grade that all the fifth graders knew his name. It was a one through five kindergarten or K through five, I guess. And all the fifth graders knew his name. Like he was, he was known. He was a known entity and people did what he told them to do. And then he brought that attitude home and sort of lorded it over his younger siblings. And I just was like, I'm not crazy about that. That's coming home. And then when I looked at scholastically, like the academics that they were giving him, that he actually... We went away, and so I had to give him his homework to do on our trip so that we could turn it back in so that they could get the money for him being a student the days that he was absent. You know, it's all about the money. I put the work down in front of him, and he goes, Mommy, teacher says we don't have to do this. The teacher says we don't have to do this. So not only had she given me the stupid copywork, paperwork crap, busy work, I should say, right? But she gave me the busy work that they specifically didn't have to do in school. So not only was I like the substitute teacher, I was the bad substitute teacher that was making him do the stuff that the teacher didn't make him do.
0: And I did not like that. And I think that was in your book, right? And, and I think the, the name of your book is it's they're, they're your kids, right? Correct me for.
1: They're your kids. all caps. they're your kids. They're not their kids, they're your kids.
0: Exactly, exactly. So so t- if a parent is listening and they're on the brink of ready to homeschool, but they just haven't made that plunge yet, like if they say, how do you, how are you so confident that you can educate over someone that's been taught to educate?
1: I was talking to my sister about this because she came to the conference with me and it's so absurd. The people who are teaching in our school, look, I love teachers and God bless them. Most of the teachers are there trying to do a good job. But they are skilled in one skill set. You have how many skill sets, you as the parent of that child? Not to mention that you know that child much better than the teacher does. So I'll just tell you a quick story because I just learned this this past summer. My daughter is now 17, 18. She just turned 18. When she was 17, she told me that kindergarten was where she learned she was stupid. And she told me the story, so she only attended kindergarten. And I didn't know this for 16 or whatever, 15, whatever it is, 11, 12 years, something like that, right? I didn't know this. But in kindergarten, they had put, the teacher had asked her to stand in front of the class and read her sight words. And she was very, very shy. And so she did not read her sight words very well. And the class laughed. And that's when she learned that she was stupid. And she's, trust me, she has been battling that her entire life. I've been battling that, not knowing that that's what I was battling her entire academic life.
0: And everybody thinks kindergarten is easy and, and oh, it's just kindergarten
1: is right. And I th- I did. It's just kindergarten's play school. it's silly, it's simple, it's no big deal. School is not the right choice for every child. It's that simple. It's like your child is unique. so don't just do what everybody else is doing figure out what's the best solution for your child. Now if your child's an academic and wants to study linear algebra or calculus or whatever, then at that point maybe you'll have to find him a great course or better books. But the the object of home learning, I call it home learning because it's not school at home. The object is for you to to cultivate the the teacher within your child because every because we are all self-taught and so you want your child to be able to teach himself anything and so and by the way i didn't do this because i didn't know this when i first started out but if you if you can engender that curiosity engage that curiosity the, the innate curiosity comes with every child right engage that to stimulate them to be on this this quest for knowledge their whole lives they will become self-taught. And then when the world turns topsy-turvy, they will have solutions. They will be able to think creatively outside the box. They'll figure it out. Do they need to new, to learn a new skill set to get a new job? They'll just go do it. They won't sit there waiting for the government to retrain them so that they can be another factory worker in another country or something. Like it's a, it's a different thing. And, but the other thing that I want to talk to you about is the fact that we assume that because we went to school, we were schooled to think that education is all academics, but it's not. Education should be the whole formation of the child, the guiding of the child from childhood into adulthood. You should be raising adults. The school raises children, doesn't teach them anything about the real world, doesn't train them to balance a checkbook, to manage a credit card, doesn't, it basically just cuts them loose with very little understanding of how the world works and a lot of information, like there's some computer, but it but lacking the programming. So they're a computer with a bunch of data. And if you, and the parents who, who so many parents, let's say, not all of them, so many who send their children to school then abdicate all the other training that, that should be sort of part and parcel with parenting. But because we all went to school, we were all largely unparented. Our parents were unparented. It's not their fault, right? I mean, we've been having this school issue for decades now. And so now we're not training our children in virtues. We're, you know, we're just telling them, hey, don't do that. That's bad. You shouldn't do that. It's mean or whatever, but we're not actually explaining to them that being mean to somebody comes back at you 10 times because you feel it because, because you carry it around with you. And then it manifests in different ways. And, you know, the, the, the real things of life, we train them in school. We, we school children to believe that their highest value is the amount of money they earn. That's the, that's the whole thing in schools is that it's college prep and career readiness. And if that's not money, I don't, I don't know what is. That's, that's just all about the money. But we know, we know, and we never question that. But we still, we know that it's not about the money. It's about relationships. We want our children to grow into full human beings who can give and forgive, who can take care of themselves and take care of their families.
0: And it feels like we've went backwards because if we look at 18 and 20-year-olds from 30 years ago, some of those, they they got married and had kids and, and they were adults. They had responsibilities. They They knew how to go out there and work. And then when you look at the 18 to 20-year-olds today, they're completely different. you can't even imagine an eighteen year old getting married and settling down and then going to work it, it, it's, it should show you how we have regressed in our school system if if that doesn't show anybody what's going on i don't know what will well you know
1: we have we have devalued children to the point where you just pass them off to the nearest nanny or the nearest stranger right so we've devalued children we abortion is rampant, so we've devalued the child per se, which means that we've devalued the human being and we've put money at the top of the pinnacle. And when you do that, there's going to be tremendous losses. I mean, you know, I have a friend who says that traditions are solutions to problems we've long since forgotten. So the tradition of marriage was a solution to a problem. Now you can say God invented marriage. Sure. Okay. But it also was the solution to a problem. And now those problems are coming back. We've got fatherlessness. Do you know that our prisons are centers for children raised without fathers? There's a correlation there. There's something that happens between the child and the father when the child is in adolescence that's documentable and it's quantifiable, frankly, that daddy's roughhouse with kids. I never roughhoused with my kids. That, That wasn't me. I'm not a roughhouser, but my husband... Totally physical roughhousing. And what happens is when the daddy roughhouses with the child, the child knows that he's safe, but there's a danger because daddy could like do something very bad. But daddy restrains himself and the child learns. Oh, restraint, not aggression, right? That it's, it's a learning process. And the child behaves for daddy because the child wants to roughhouse. That's a treat. And if the child misbehaves, there's no roughhousing. I mean, there's all of these, and they've done all these studies, so we forget those at our own peril. We are we are sacrificing our traditions, but for what? Because now we're going to get all the problems back, but maybe worse than before.
0: And then what is your take on the whole, like, demasculating men, like, making men feminine? Like, what is your whole take on this? Kids going to school, and you know, in high school, and it's...
1: Oh, I mean, well... A, of course, it's terribly dangerous because if you, if you have emasculated men, then the women have to step in and look, there's a whole, I mean, you lose your society. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create bad times. We're getting into bad times and those bad times are creating, this is the good news, are creating the strong men. So my sons, for instance, are showing me there's a whole sort of subculture right now of young men who are all about hunting, growing their own beef, uh, you know, having trucks, living on the land, getting married early, raising a family, like these young young guys are saying no to the globalists and the elitists and the and the transgender mob that that seeks to emasculate them. They're going masculine Maybe not hypermasculine, but in a sense they're going hypermasculine, which is a good thing. And then you have young women who are saying, I really want to be married. I really want a man. And in fact, there's a f- very funny video that came out of this this young liberal chick, and she's like, Why are all the good men conservative? <laughs> it's like, dude, wake up. Like, you don't she doesn't get it. She doesn't get it. She's just looking for a good man who, you know, might hope, hold the door open for her or, you know, and all she's meeting in that vein are conservatives. And she can't believe that they're not woke enough to understand how advanced the world has become, you know.
0: And what's interesting, she actually put that on a video because it's almost like a joke, like, why are all the men concerned? Like, she should know the answer, right? Right. And and this is all like back in – it's funny because we're teaching our, our boys – To be just how men were just normally in the fifties before the women's lib and they came around and tried to get working families, sticking the kids in daycare all day. So it's, it's kind of interesting. Like men are actually your son and he's, he's, he's written a book, right? He's like doing something where now men actually have to notice it where it should just be normally, but they're having to like come out and say, this is what we're doing.
1: Yeah. They're, they're the counterculture, which is, which is absurd, but I'm happy for it. Like. I'm I'm thrilled and I want him to get married. He's 22. You know, he hasn't found the right the right girl yet, but we'll see. We'll see. We're hoping and praying.
0: Well, you know, and I always tell my son, who you marry is more important than any education you will ever get because you can always change careers. You're 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 probably going to change careers, but who you marry, who you decide to be with and have children with, that is more important than anything cuz that that is going to be your character, that's going to be your legacy a degree, a college. I mean, yeah, you went to school for like engineering, but you ended up doing acting and modeling and getting into that world. So it's, it's, we never continue what we probably start out at doing. Hi friends. Are you wanting to homeschool, but you just don't even know where to start? If so, I have got some exciting news to share with you. Did you know that I have a free workshop that will help you get started with homeschooling? Plus, I'll give you valuable tips and insights to help guide you along the way. I invite you to visit Hooked on Homeschool, where I'll teach you how to create an amazing homeschool experience right now. Take this first step towards the incredible journey of homeschooling by visiting hookedonhomeschool.com.
1: Well, and and to that, actually, uh, we'll go back to what do you tell parents who are just maybe starting out or maybe they haven't taken the plunge into home education. And so to them, I would say, take your kids out of the institution that is harming them and damaging your relationship with them and start there. Then focus on things that you think are important for the child to learn and don't allow institutions and quote unquote experts right we just went through a whole trust the expert thing and how did that work out to us right so don't allow those experts to dictate to you that your son needs to know calculus by the age of 17 or whatever it is right boys shouldn't be in school before the age of nine they should not be forced to sit all day before the age of nine and i know that sounds sexist so be it but they should be outside a lot they should be climbing trees i think that there's a reason that adhd and add is running rampant so give that some thought and don't get on that treadmill oh well by age you know 12 he better have read war and peace or whatever right and then go to the classics even if you haven't read them only classics i wouldn't suggest anything that was published after 1950 No, seriously. I mean, okay, there are a few. Those are for maybe for older kids, but but I can't I can't say like I can say 1950 and before, pretty safe. Not everything, but basically you're pretty safe. After 1950, I can't make that claim. There's way too much trash out there. There's a lot of young literature that is pornographic, that is violent pornography, violent well, violent pornography, and also just violent imagery. And they have jump scares. And though that kind of literature does something to the brain. There's a, it's like a chemical reaction. It's, it acts like a drug in the brain. Pornography acts like a drug in the brain. Why do you think that they're pushing porn on the kids in school today? It's because if they can, look, the grand adventure of life is to harness your wills to do what your intellect knows you should do. And what they're trying to do to our kids is get our kids to succumb to their will so that they are eternally enslaved to their desires. And when they're enslaved to their desires, there's nothing that's going to come before that. They won't sacrifice themselves for a greater good, right? And that, and that of course, is the grand, that's the grand adventure of life. That's, that's the better story. The better story is... There is so much value in sacrificing yourself for something greater. For instance, why am I here today? What interest do I have in encouraging parents to homeschool their kids? Well, one, I want the kids to be happier. And I know that they can be if you homeschool. Like, I've seen it. I've, I've done this experiment plenty of times. But honestly, like, I could sit down and read a good book right now. I don't have to be talking to you. I'm driven. I'm driven by my desire to make the world a better place.
0: Yep. And if everybody steps up little by little, right, it's kind of like a domino.
1: We can all make the world a better place. Yeah. And so that was part of this conference, was this idea that make your world, the the world that's local to you, make it better. Make the lives of your family members better, and then expand that to your local community and encourage other people to do that. And eventually, right, this will grow And everybody will be better. And that was the grand experiment of the United States of America. We entered into this sort of social contract. Do unto others as you would have done unto you. Be honorable with your word, right? Our Judeo-Christian values. Forgive where forgiveness is due. And make the world a better place. Strive for that. Because then you will have lived a life worth living. A life with meaning. And this is what we want to teach our children. And when we send them into an institution that tells them that their highest value is money, it's the wrong message. It's that simple. And so focus on that. So like, okay, so I'm going to show you. I have two two books that I brought to show you. Teach from Love is the devotional. This goes through godly virtues, and it just is basically a conversation starter to have with your kids about godly virtues. Why? Because they won't learn them otherwise. These things have to be taught. They have to be passed down. And so I just put it in a book. You don't need my book. You can just go online, look up all the virtues, and then just start talking about them. Or you can, you know, I put it in a book. I told little stories with open-ended questions to start a, a conversation between you and your child so that you could, how do you explain to a child don't lie? You don't just say it's bad to lie. God knows that you're lying. Like, that's, that's one way. But the way that I explained it to my children is, there's one person in the world that you have to be able to trust. Yourself. If you lie, you know that you lied. Every time you look at yourself in the mirror, you will see somebody who is untrustworthy. That is a very grave thing to take on. So don't do it. Don't lie. And when they, when they look at it that way, when they look at it stra- you know, from a selfish perspective, they're selfish children. I mean, children are, are quite self-centered. You got to put it into their terms they, so that they understand. And then I put together this book. This is the playbook for home learning. It's a series of videos that live online. So it's a subscription basically. And this is just the workbook that goes with it. So it's a lot of blank.
0: Yep. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I love that. Okay. And so
1: in this book, I walk parents through what we mean by education. What should be our aim? Because if it's not college prep and career readiness, because I think that it's wrong to teach a child that their highest worth is money. I think that, that that sets them up for a midlife crisis when they're 50 and they're looking at like, okay, now I've lived 50 years, I'm, I'm on the downslope, and I'm not happy, and I don't understand why because I did, I did what they told me. I made money. They told me that was going to bring me happiness, right? It, set, it sets them up. So rather than telling your child that, set them on this grand adventure, Let's talk about what education is. And let's talk about the parents' part in education, which, by the way, is part of the greatest adventure of your life. This is the greatest love story that you'll have. This love story that you have with your children is is shepherding a child into adulthood. And And the reason that I say this is teenagers don't naturally rebel. Teenagers who go to school rebel. My teenagers didn't rebel. And people don't believe me when I say that. But my teenagers on any given night, would come into my bedroom. They'd knock softly at the door because I, I would go to bed early. I'd sit on my, on my bed with my computer open and work. And they'd come into my bedroom and they'd sit on the end of the bed and I'd close my laptop and put it off to the side. And they would tell me the teenagery, silly stories of their day. Now, I could have just said, oh, honey, I'm working right now. But of course I didn't. That's the, those are the precious moments. That's the relationship building. And that's what parenting should be. And we've lost, we've lost sight of that because we've all been schooled.
0: And it's very normal to have that fighting with your teenager, or it's, it's kind of an American thing that, oh, teenagers are going to rebel. They're going to hate you. There's teenage angst. And so we're all just normalized to that. Right. That's a lot,
1: but it's a lie. It's absolutely a lie. I've proven it three times over. And, and trust me, I'm not special that way. I just, I cultivated, I specifically cultivated relationship with my kids. I specifically went up to their rooms and hung out for a little while on any given day just to hang out, just to find out, and asked, I just asked a few questions. And sometimes the conversation got really deep and great, and sometimes it was just you know, superficial and no big deal and okay. But I checked in. I kept checking in. I just checked in. And they checked in with me because they learned, oh, sometimes you just want to check in because it feels kind of good to check in. That's all I'm talking about. But in order to get that relationship, look, when I met Kevin, I said to him, I don't date long distance. Why? Why not date long distance? Because you can't have a relationship. You
0: can't. No.
1: So don't date your
0: kids long distance. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It's weird. My, I have a 14-year-old and 10 o'clock at night, he wants to chat. He he He's so chatty. And I'm like, can't you do this at eight o'clock? But it's, it's 10 o'clock that he, he wants to talk and he wants to unload his day. It's scientific that
1: teenagers are night owls. That's why forcing them to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning to make the school bus is kind of torture because they can't get to sleep early. No, but it, I'm serious. Like, like, we should have rethought that. We think we're so advanced. We should have rethought that a long time ago. But we're not, but the schools are not serving the kids. The schools are business enterprises that basically serve themselves. And so... Of course, they're not going to change their schedule to suit the child. Look, the school doesn't have to meet for all day. They only meet all day because it serves the parents. Because that's the way they sell it to the parents. Now you can go work. Go work, mom.
0: Get out of the house. You be you. And I think and high school used to start so early so the kids can get out early so they could go to work. Well, nowadays, high school students aren't really working. So maybe they should, like, relook at the hours and say, all right, kids, you can come in at 10 you know, and be done at six because, you know, you're not working. So
1: I wish that would fix it.
0: Yeah, they won't fix it. It's, it's unfixable. And, and the last few years should really show parents, like they've literally opened up their doors and shown us what they're teaching and who they are. And parents are still sending their children to that knowing what's going on. But they'll say, because I'll bring it up and they'll say, well, my son or my daughter, they, they know not to get involved in that. But they're still hearing it, right? They're still around it. They might not be.
1: It's so, it's so dangerous. It's so insidious. And parents don't, here's my problem. I've met the parents who say to me, I wish I knew then because I lost my child. I've met them. Time and time again, I've met them.
0: Like lost meaning like just the relationship, right?
1: There's no relationship there anymore. They've, they've abandoned, the child has abandoned the parents because the parents are old-fashioned. They don't believe in whatever. The child is transgender. I've talked to parents who have actually lost their child because the child became transgender, the social services got involved, and the child committed suicide. The parents were warned not to get involved and not to invoke the name of God around the child because of the risk for suicide. So they followed the directions of the experts and the child committed suicide. So I'm just saying.
0: Be there with your kids. Raise your own kids.
1: Yeah, we've been schooled too too well, frankly. And homeschooling, home learning, is so much easier than you imagine and so much more rewarding than you could ever dream. And the earlier you start, the better. And if if you didn't start yesterday, then start today. And you know, parents say to me, "I'm going to take my child out at the end of the semester," and I'm like, "Why are you waiting? When you make a decision, do it." Oh well, I, I haven't hired a teacher. You don't need to hire a teacher. Take your kid out of the take your kid out of the danger zone. Take your kids off the firing line. You have no idea. Look, one full year in a cute little kindergarten messed with her brain for until she was seventeen, and she finally figured it out. And I didn't know. And I'll tell you how it went. I, I go to pick her up and the teacher says, it was so cute today. Octavia went and she read her cards for the class and she she kind of messed up a little bit. It was kind of funny. And so maybe you want to work with her on her sight reading. And that was it, right? It didn't, I didn't
0: think there was anything bad, I, right? And you probably had a teacher that cared, you know, she probably seemed, you know, a normal kindergarten teacher that cares and look what it did. Yeah
1: what I'm saying it's it's not even their fault let's we can we can even say it's not even their fault and by the way, okay, I brought her home. Was it absolutely positively perfect all the time? No, but I have a relationship with my children that is remarkable, and so even when we had little mess ups and even when they were my fault, it's all good.
0: I love it. Thank you so much, Sam. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing your journey with your children and being out there as an advocate to help us take our children out of school, knowing that it is the right decision and having a relationship with them is more important than getting them into an Ivy League school or anything like that. So, oh my gosh, be careful of Ivy League schools. <laughs> yes, be very careful. Heaven of forbid
1: your child go to an Ivy League school at this point. It's
0: very sad. You can uh, see the messaging right now, loud and clear. It is.
1: Well, here's what's great. We have to rethink the way that we think about trades. We've been schooled to disdain the trades. But I got to tell you, I know too many tradesmen who make Boku bucks, not that that's the most important thing, and live very fulfilled, happy lives. Train your child to be an entrepreneur. See if there's a trade that appeals to him or her.
0: Yes. You know, I'm trying to get an electrician to my house and it's really hard They're So do a trade. They're, they're very necessary. It's actually rewarding and fulfilling. All those students that say, I can't sit at a desk. You don't need to. Don't go to college. Figure out a trade. We had a jet ski broke down. Couldn't find someone. Had to go a friend of a friend of a friend to find someone to fix a jet ski. In five years, I wonder if there's going to be anybody left. So there's tons of jobs. So parents realize college is not the end all be all. You can have your child do so many other things. So yes.
1: And even I'll, I'll even add this. There are business owners who, who prefer not to hire college graduates because they don't think as creatively as high school graduates.
0: That's so true. Yeah.
1: So just, you know, make it more personal. Don't just toe the party line, make it more personal for your kids.
0: Yeah. Don't just buy into the lie that college is the end all, that your child has to go to college. There are so many other things that they can do that will fulfill them and make them a better person. So, thank you so much, Sam. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. Hi, friend. Before you go, I want to thank you for listening. And if you found this podcast helpful, I would truly be grateful if you could just take a moment and leave me a five star review. Your review will help me improve and reach more listeners who could benefit from homeschooling. Until next time, keep exploring and discovering new ways to make your homeschooling a fun and enjoyable experience. Happy homeschooling!